Hey guys, this is Alex and you are listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, I didn't plan this, but it just kind of happened this way. The last of the three episodes during my kind of miracle vanishing period, I'm going to call it, where you won't notice I'm gone, other than me telling you at the beginning of every episode, but I am in fact not here and, like, recording, I'm just releasing episodes that I've recorded previously, um, I want to talk about kind of the third of the directors that I've been talking about so far. So, in the first of these three episodes, we talked about, um, Satoshi Kon, and then we talked about Hayao Miyazaki. And now we're going to talk about the last director, the one who's gotten tons of of notice recently because he makes really, 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 um, what's the bed for? Commercial, commercially viable anime films. And that director is Mamoru Hosoda. Now, Hosoda made things like, um, The Girl Who Left Through Time, Summer Wars, I love both of those movies. Summer Wars is probably one of my favorite anime movies ever made. Um, and Wolf, he, he also made Wolf Children. Now, Hosoda has, everybody was really kind of, blown away by his first film, which was, I believe, The Girl Who Left Through Time, but don't quote me on that. There's always a chance he had some sort of, like, indie college project that, like, five people know about, and it makes me look dumb. That's the way the universe is. Um, but he then kind of slipped into this direction with Summer Wars. There's a kind of there's a thing happening in Summer Wars. There's a thing, there's a trend that he starts in Summer Wars. And it's a kind of like furry trend. And so it's like he makes movies about, the, not about, but that it really involves animal people in some way. <laughs> So, in, to give you an idea, in, um, the, in Summer Wars, all, basically, it, the idea that life is interwoven, is, like, intersected by this big MMORPG, and the MMORPG has everything from, like, your standard video game stuff to, like, Departments of Public Works and all this other stuff. So everybody, so basically, everybody out there, much like Facebook, makes an account and makes an avatar. And the plot makes it so the main character is basically a squirrel kid, and the other main character is, for all intents and purposes, a bunny girl. Um, so, 
and the and one of the side characters is just like a badass kung fu rabbit. <laughs> like imagine Roger Roger the rabbit, but knows kung fu. Um. But that was that was just kind of like okay, it's an online game, and it was it's the first movie that it occurred in, so no one kind of noticed it. It was just like, oh, that was a really great movie. It was like a really... It wasn't a unique depiction of the internet because it was the depiction of the internet that um, movies like the like the first Digimon movie had also done. So it was not super unique in that way, but it was a thing that happened. And it, and it, was, it was a good movie. And it was an immensely popular movie, which was also important. Um... But then Wolf Children came out. And Wolf Children is basically what if Lady has sex with Werewolf and has Werewolf offspring, but Werewolf dies. So, and Lady becomes, and like, Lady becomes single parent of two children who are also wild animals and has to move out to the country to be able to A, afford raising them and B, like, make sure that no one finds out that her little boy and girl turn into, like, dogs for all intents and purposes. Turn into dogs for all intents and purposes if they get too ha- if they get too excited, um. But that's basically kind of the plot of that movie. But there, it's like there's definitely okay. Nat makes two movies with like a with like a furry. I'm gonna call it bend, or that I'm gonna call it furry positive. And there's nothing wrong with this. It's not. It's not. It's not it, this stuff is not like seen as like at least to through the eyes of the movie. It's not. It's not like a sexual thing. It's not. It's just the stories he wrote. Um, but then we get to the movie we're talking about today, which is the Boy and the Beast, which, as far as I think, is his most current movie. Now he just now he and his and the studio that he's working with just released a movie for um, a movie called Mirai no Mirai, which, as far as we can tell, has no furries in it, which I, I, like, the kid at one point in that trailer growls an awful lot like an animal, and it's really funny, because all I think is, like, oh, like, if I go see this and that kid turns into a dog... I mean, good on you got me in the theater to, like, watch. You're like, weird. Let's all get, let's all get furry costumes manifesto. <laughs> but, um... The Boy and the Beast is the movie that we're talking about today. Um... It is... A The Boy and the Beast is basically a story about 
And, and the other thing that's nice about this, about Momoro Hosoda's movies is that he's not... The, the plots are not ultra-complicated. They are simple and easy to get across, such that I don't even need to like go super long in explaining it. Um, so basically, there's a kid who is abandoned by his family and kind of wandered into this fantasy world where he becomes the apprentice of this beast, essentially. He wanders into, like, beast world, where instead of, like, hum- humans don't exist and, like, beasts are the primary race and beasts of all shapes and sizes and blah, blah, blah. He basically apprentices with this, like, quasi-bear dude. <laughs> um, but then... After he becomes an apprentice, at some point he gets transported back. He goes back to the real world. And it's just, it's about him dealing with... A life he chose versus a life he chose but can't... A life he chose... And could stay with to a life he abandoned but wants in some way. And there's also a love story, like, woven into that kind of pretty carefully, actually. But the thing that's really nice about Hosoda is that he, in addition to having really simple stories and really commercial movies, like, these are movies that you could, that you could easily go see take a kid to see but they, they also provide kind of like a total feast for the eyes like I saw um, I saw Summer Wars and Girl Who Left Through Time and Wolf Children and also The Boy and the Beast all in glorious like maximum resolution put it in my face right now blah 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 um, and those, are, and yes, tons of anime movies do that, but the difference with Mormoro Hosoda's stuff is he has an almost Takashi Murakami-like style to him. Stuff is, like, super flattened out, super simplified, super clean, it it just lets you appreciate just kind of like the raw beauty of the colors and the line work and the animation and all this stuff. Um, also, they tend to do a really good job dubbing all of his movies. Um, you can and another movie that kind of feels like a Memorial hosted a movie that came out recently. I did my the podcast first episode on it is Napping Princess. That's why I think Kenji Kawai, um, the director of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, and uh, that guy, he needs a full TV series to like do anything. I feel like I've probably mentioned this in the review, but he 
Candy Kawhi just he needs he needs the space to run and to be able to like build all the connections to work right because anybody seen Ghost in the Shell standalone complex knows at this point if it's not considered it should be considered a kind of an anime classic but Napping Princess is just kind of like you didn't have enough time to tell this story properly so the whole story suffers but um like I said the difference between somebody like Kenzie Kwai and um, Mamoru Hosoda is Mamoru Hosoda he writes stories for movies he writes stories that can that have a very traditional movie arc that have the kind the traditional storytelling arc built in. It's not like somebody like say Makoto Shinkai, who basically, it, if you're watching a Makoto Shinkai movie, it, his arc starts at the top of the hill and then starts to go down the hill. And at some point, a exacto knife comes, a giant exacto knife comes and chops off the bottom half of the hill and you just plummet into a deep, dark hole of despair. And there is no way out of that hole. (laughs) Which is why something like, um... Uh... His latest movie, Your Name, did so well because so many people knew about Makoto Shinkai and his stuff is gorgeous because of the way it's animated. It's animated using largely like cell shaded computer technology, not traditional hand animation, so he can do these big epic shots and he can add a lot of detail without necessarily sacrificing budget. Um but because your name had a more traditional story arc to it it was kind of it was the excuse everybody needed to be like oh you mean that guy who makes really beautiful sad shit made a normal thing yes I'll pay all the money I'll pay all the money to go see that multiple times um but Memorial Hosea doesn't have that level of like beauty to his work his work is very graphic but he has the storytelling element so It's like, you have the traditional high, low, high, low, end on high kind of wavelength of a story. And he also... He writes good, big personalities. And he writes characters who are conflicted really well. Like, in... Um, Boy and the Beast, the main character, Jinta, is, um, he's conflicted because he, like, wants to be a master swordsman, but he's a human, and once he comes in contact with the human world, he realizes, like, you know, I'm, I'm a 16-year-old guy, I like girls, I would, I want to stay here. But he realizes that he has made commitments to his master. I forget his master's name. Um, 
the big the big bear dude, and he has to follow through on that. So he's trying to balance his wants and needs, but also he has things like a girl who's interested in him, trying to help him, you know, learn how to read and learn how to study and all this other stuff, and that's very like that's very intriguing to him. And ultimately, the way the story plays out, he. Uses his skills as a swordman to protect her, which is really interesting. And he ends up being able to be there for her for the foreseeable future by the end. It's just, it's lots of people, like I said at the beginning, will talk when they talk about, um, When they talk about, um, the, when they talk about, um, when they talk about Hosoda's work, sorry about the serious brain fart, um, they'll talk about, like, the, the style, and then at some point, the furry thing comes up. But, just because he has a predilection towards a certain kind of character design and representing a certain kind of character um, because of an aesthetic quality to them doesn't mean that his stories don't resonate. That doesn't mean that they don't work. It doesn't mean that he can't make great personalities. Part of the thing about him using, like, furry characters like anim- like anthropomorphized animal people is that he can like use that to his advantage and he can make like this big stubborn looking like furry bear dude like a stubborn asshole who doesn't really want to train Jinta but slowly like comes to actually train him and put up with him and like love him and make, like, this, like, old, wise troll dude really be like that. And so he can... He can make... He can match a personality to a silhouette. The same is true in something like Wolf Children, where, like, the little kids are, like, the, like these wild, like... Barking animals, the way little kids are. He, he found a way to express the full brunt of being a single mother and raising two, like, unwieldy, hog-wild children. And it's, it's interesting that he finds a way to do that so successfully with the kind of Amphorified animal form because he can apply direct. He can. He's not limited by like. Okay, at the end of the day, this person, this character, still needs to look human. I can make them as big and muscly and like stubborn looking as they, as I want. But wait, if I make him into like a big monster dude, who just looks like he hasn't washed his clothes in nine years. 
I can really I can accentuate that and I can really make the viewer understand like oh this is what this character is this is why this character is this way and so it's just it's an interesting concept um but I think I'm going to cut this one a little short since I'm doing this a little late um but I'll be back next week with like original episodes recorded on time blah 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 I might do another movie next week um because I will be just getting back and I'll be a little jet lagged and I'll be a little loopy but if you like these three episodes, or you liked any of the episodes for, like, months past, I do this every week. Uh, feel free to subscribe. I'm, I'm on iTunes. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on Google Play. Um, and feel free to drop by the iTunes page and leave me a review. Uh, let me know how I'm doing. I've gotten reviews from people before. I've changed things based on reviews. Blah, 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 and if you have friends who like anime and they want to listen to somebody who has spent upwards of close to three decades watching anime, talk about it, share the podcast with them. Let's say, you know, this guy rambles a lot, but he seems kind of cool and he makes some good points. Maybe listen to him. Maybe find your favorite show out of the ones he's done. He's done all kinds of things. From Shonen Shoujo to Seinen and beyond. Um, and listen to it. And yeah, let me know what you think. Share the podcast. Subscribe. I will talk to you guys next time.